9 out of 10 startups fail. Women and minority-led companies receive less than 10% of all venture capital. This is an environment designed for failure. Startup Hype Man's mission is to use the power of story to make success inevitable, not the exception. And this podcast is designed for entrepreneurs to share lessons learned from their stories so that you can figure out what whatever it takes means for your company to make it. Let's kick it. I don't know yet what questions I'll ask. From the Hype HQ Recording Studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I am your host and the Startup Hype Man, Raj Nation. Every week we bring you real talk and unpack the the behind-the-curtain strategies with the entrepreneurs who are doing it or who have been there, done that, all to help your startup grow up and stand out. Join the Hype Nation to catch every new episode, plus get resources and other stuff that actually help you, not the whack promotional junk that other companies try to shove down your throat. All you have to do is add your email at startuphypeman.com. Ready for some real talk? Time now for me, Raj Nation, to turn it over to, well, me, Raj Nation, for this week's conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jake Jorgovin. Jake is the founder and CEO of Lead Cookie, a LinkedIn lead generation done-for-you prospecting service for B2B tech and tech service companies. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on here, Rajiv. Excited to be here. I have heard you on other shows before, so when we talked about having you on this show, I knew it would definitely be a good episode. I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Our topic today is how do you profitably manage cash flow? Why is this on your mind? I know why it's on a lot of people's minds, but why is it on your mind and why is it important to you? So uh, this is a really important one to me because um, I've been in the entrepreneurial game for 10 years. Um, I made a lot of revenue and I never took home much money for a long time. First business did over a million dollars in revenue, and I don't think I ever took home more than three grand a month. Uh, and literally then like played the game for years, like up and down, up and down um, of like my income and stuff like that. And um, it was lead cookie even, like I actually had a business where, okay, this one starts going well, um, screwed up the cash flow. And uh, at about nine months in, we had to lay off six people which was brutally painful and it was really largely due to me not knowing how to handle money in a growing business. Um, We recovered from that and uh, we put in some new systems in place, uh, some things I'll share later on. And literally today I am making the most money I've ever made in my life and consistently. Uh, I've been doing that for like consistently at a greatest income, like literally what has been my income goals for like years. I've been at that for like, almost five months now and just, just consistent. So like, I'm, I was like, it's great. <laughs> and like, awesome. It's wonderful. So that's, uh, that's why it's so important to me is I felt the pain and I'm now like on the other side and it's, it's glorious. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I mean, I, I hope with that introduction to this topic that our listeners are now like eagerly taking notes because the things you just mentioned were, was not making the money you wanted to, even though you had revenue up, uh, <laughs> then figured it out had to go through painful layoffs to get there, but now have reached your own income goals and your company's revenue and income goals. So definitely, I think it's going to be an interesting topic. I want to learn more about this. Now, before we dive into the weeds of that, I want to know a little bit more about you, like who is Jake Jorgovin the person? And I'm going to start at an interesting point here. So we actually, 
looks like we graduated college in the same, went to college the same years, 2007 to 2011. You were at Belmont University. Now you got a Bachelor of Science in Entrepreneurship and Audio Engineering. Now the entrepreneurship part is obvious. <laughs> audio Engineering, why did you choose that as a major? Yeah, so uh, my first business ever was actually a recording studio in my basement that I started when I was about 15 years old, where I would record local bands for about $10 a song, literally recording and editing for $10 per song. So they get an album. Economy. <laughs> I know, get an album in and out the door for under 100 Were you bucks. doing this in like the 1950s that you were charging $10? <laughs> no, I was just doing this as a high school kid selling yeah. to other high school kids. They probably spent more money on... Uh, on drugs than they spent uh, <laughs> on their albums. <laughs> uh, but um, that was like where I started with it. And so I went to college like wanting to go into like music production and make a living out of that. Um, somewhere along the lines, uh, my first business was actually became a video production agency. I evolved to audio from audio to video along the way because I realized you make a lot more money in video. Um, and, uh, that was literally the, kind of like the first business in this evolution. So it literally, my first business even still had the name of that studio in my basement. It was called rabbit hole creative. So, um, that was like my first entrepreneurial journey and that, that degree, I, I literally, I hire an audio editor for my podcast these days, so I don't use it at all, <laughs> but the, uh, the entrepreneurship minor was awesome. So, <laughs> well, I'll say this, you know, you know, our, our, our main topic today is around cash flow and what helps generate cash flow is sales. And what's a big component of sales is listening. And I'm curious with the auto engineering, audio engineering classes you took, did you take any like bits of wisdom where you look back now and you're like, this taught me something about listening that's helping me today? Yeah, there's two things that um, I do re like really helped a lot. So one is this concept of like signal flow in audio, which is like in an, a recording studio, you have tons and tons of cables and things hooked up together to make a recording happen. And you sometimes you sit down at the console and you're like, this one thing's not working. And you've got to look at all the buttons and all the connectors and all the things in between and just start to like test and figure out, okay, is it like a bad cable we have in the mix or something like that? Or like, and you just got to start testing. And so like signal flow um, was one really big concept that I learned of just like something's not working, like test all the little pieces in the chain to figure out where it's broken. Um, the other one was really like uh, leading a band in a studio. You have a bunch of creative people and you're trying to get them to put together a song and um like people don't credit the audio engineers and producers enough for like how much they attribute to a musician's actually getting the the song down right you're leading them like you're becoming a leader and you gotta like motivate the guitarist when he's pissed off and he can't get a solo down and like you are so there's like leadership components that come from taking like basically being at the helm of this and guiding this the, all these people through this experience to try to create this end product together. So those are about the two really good things I, I do like look back at that I picked up from that, uh, that career span. That's really interesting. Signal flow. I've not heard of that term before and, and I'm a rapper myself, but my, my actual, my knowledge of real like music production <laughs> is very limited. I just know how to write words and make songs. Um, and then the idea of leadership as well. So obviously that carried you through that because you've, you have a pretty extensive like entrepreneurship background, whether they were full-time or side businesses. Um, after college, you know, you worked on Rabbit Hole Creative for a while. You then went into something called Telehealth PT. 
which on your LinkedIn profile, you, you very like admittedly open up your description of that by saying telehealth PT is a failed healthcare technology <laughs> startup. Why did it fail? Uh, it failed because uh, I was actually like, I, I was ironically, I was on. So basically the whole concept was uh, physical therapists doing sessions over video chat as opposed to live. Hmm. And it ultimately failed because I was not the person to do it. I had no passion. I did not care about healthcare. And I was just going into it as this like opportunist, opportunistic thing that I came across when I was like jumping from my first business to just trying to figure out what was next. I actually literally, like before we were doing this, I was doing a virtual physical therapy session with uh, a company. And I'm actually doing it because I've got an injured back right now. Oh, the uh, sweet so irony. It, it works, but uh, I was just not the person for it. And that's 100% the reason it failed is I quit on it because I was like, this is, I did this uh, completely from being an opportunist and not at all like what was right for me. Well, coming out of telehealth, you then became VP of growth at a company called gun.io. What was that company about? And, and I guess, what was your big takeaway from that experience? Yeah, so those guys are still around. Um, and uh, they're actually a customer of Lead Cookie right now. Um, they basically will um, like place developers with companies. Um, think of them kind of like staffing for freelance developers from like projects. Um, where like they like, it's not like a project manager hiring agency that was like, hey, we're going to find you great talent. You hire them directly. And like, and it's like really simple. So. Um, that was really cool. I actually learned a lot with them. Really good guys. Uh, they were applying a lot with the model, but it was really great. And I was like, I was freelancing at that time. So I wasn't like full time with them. I was, had some other clients, but that was like my main focus was them. They were like my biggest client at the per for that period of time. Um, learned a lot. Ultimately, um, like just wasn't a great fit long term. They were still experimenting with the business model. Um, and so we got some great leads, but they like, we didn't have the sales to convert, but um, they eventually like figured out the business model like a year later, and now they're just crushing it, um, which is cool. Um, but learned a lot from that, and just you know, like that whole period of freelancing, working in a bunch of different businesses. I think you just get a bunch of experience there. So, well, and if we fast forward a couple of years from there to July 2017, that's when you start Lead Cookie, which is your current venture. And I failed to mention this in your introduction, but in Lead Cookie's first full year of business. You guys achieved $450,000 in annual revenue, and you're now at a, you know, your MRR, your monthly recurring revenue is at a clip of 60K per month, which is, you know, applause for that. That's fantastic. Uh, I know a lot of companies are still figuring out how do they get to that point? Um, how do you get your first few customers, things like that. But um, let's, before we dive into the topic, why don't you give a quick walkthrough of what exactly is Lead Cookie? Yeah, so we are basically a done-for-you LinkedIn lead generation service. So basically, we manage our customers' LinkedIn accounts. Uh, we do outreach and start warm conversations between them and their ideal customers. Uh, so it's very productized. Um, there's a little bit of strategy, like kind of account management in there that we do. Um, and, but a lot, it is very much like we do the same thing for every customer. It is the exact same framework. It's a very productized service. Um, and really the, the only things we do custom are like the scripting um, and everything like that. If customers give us like an operational change, they want us to start doing content on LinkedIn, we don't, we don't touch it. We do one thing, we do LinkedIn outreach campaigns and we do that really, really well. So um, there's a lot of software tools out there that are like in our space where people can kind of run these on their own and try to do that, but it's overwhelms a lot of people. So we offer this like white glove, high-end done for you service. 
Um, and it's been just, it's been a great experience since we have, since we've had this going. Yeah. And so a productized service that's now doing 60K in monthly recurring revenue. Just one quick note I want to just let our, say to our audience is, you know, while you are as a company, what you've developed is a productized service for those who are still getting their first, you know, first revenue in the door, a great way to do that if you are building a tech product is to make it, you know, a maybe technology plus service to get your first few customers. And then you can transition out of the service element into just the straight tech component. Now, the topic today is how do you profitably manage cash flow? You gave the abstract at the top of the episode, but let's dive into this a little bit more. Can you talk us through sort of 2017 or 2018 rather for lead cookie and, and sort of the I'm sure there was a little bit of a revenue roller coaster thing going on or a profit roller coaster anyway and sort of where did this first um, become such a big issue for you as your or a big topic for your company yeah so it was it, it's something that I think has been in like you know the layoffs were like the signal where it was like this is bad and it has to change because um, it started impacting other people. But for years, I just went like up and down on my income. And like, I would just look at kind of how much money we were making and I would pay myself arbitrarily whatever I um, thought we could afford at the time. And, um, you know, and like, it was, and that's like, I literally, that was like how I ran my businesses for years. I would just like make revenue and then be like, oh, cool. Like I can pay myself this. And then like, um, if any revenue dropped, then I pay myself less and then like up. And it was just like, kind of like me guessing. And, um, and ultimately at times I like, I paid myself too much at times and kind of robbed the business of cash that it needed. And then like, I would have other months where like, I just couldn't pay myself the next month at all. Cause I probably paid myself too much before. And like, I just had no real system in place. And the other thing behind this all is like, I had no, I was paying myself too much, but I was also spending, like I had no way to control my spending. So I would just spend money on whatever the hell I wanted. And like, I had no way to track, like, am I keeping myself profitable other than like, do we have money in the bank? Um, and we would like kind of try to track like, you know, how much we spent and how much we brought in each month. And like, but like that, those decisions would often come like, you know, you you'd finally close out the books at the end of the month. Um, and so like this just happened for a long time. And then it was like December came in like our business. We don't, we don't really charge a lot in December because, um, we, we shut down for the holidays because it's a B2B prospecting service. Like we're just not going to prospect between Christmas and new year's. Mm -hmm. So we had like less revenue in December. We had saved up zero money for it. So we ended up having to put a ton of stuff on the credit card. Um, and so that starts like racking up credit card debt. Um, we basically go through the next month. I end up making more hires, like assuming we're going to grow. And then like, as soon as like, we were like kind of pushing the line. And as soon as like, we have like a down month, um, like we had more churn than we expected and we didn't have as many sales come through like that little dip. It was like, it was like, it was like a one month long dip was enough to just like, be like, holy crap. Like we're extended on the credit card. I can't pay myself for like the next two months and like, we're going to have to lay off team members. There's no other choice. And it was just like, we're just not having any framework in place basically got us to that horrible spot. Um, no rules, no guidelines to work in uh, gets you there. And uh, that is kind of what ultimately like led to the pain and being like, things have to change. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish I had had those guidelines sooner to avoid that. That's what I hopefully that this episode will like 
uh, teach some of that to some other people so they don't hit that hard, hard pain that I went through. Well, one thing that you know comes to mind for me, and, and I've definitely fallen victim to this in the past, and only now am I like trying to right the ship, is there's a big difference. And I know like on a spreadsheet, it makes sense, but like a, a mental shift we have to make as entrepreneurs, which is like the difference between revenue booked versus cash flow, like, like cash actually in the door in a given month. Because mm-hmm. you may get, you know, a customer that's worth 20 grand, but if they're only paying, I don't know, three grand in one given month, it's not like you're like, you don't, you don't make decisions like this month with the idea that you just got 20 grand in the door. And again, it makes sense on a spreadsheet, but I think there's a different um, almost mindset or ego shift perhaps that has to happen to really internalize that. For me, I think the reason why I've um, failed at that in the past is because I used to work at a mid-sized uh, tech agency. And that was a company where, you know, sales was booked as like contract signed as opposed to actual cash in because they were a mid-sized agency who had like a big line of credit and like could fund, you know, the operations as a company that had 300 something employees. And, you know, they need to pay people on time, work for them. So they had like the cash reserves and the line of credit to make that happen. But in the early stages, companies don't have that. Now, do you feel like was this part of your issue as well? Did you have a different mindset between revenue or did you not discern properly between revenue booked versus cash in the door? Um, I think that was, that was part of it um, of just like, and assuming that like, if things are going good, they're going to keep going well. Mm. And just to like, and I, and I think that that's what ultimately was like what broke, you know, I guess whatever, like the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever was like, I well, like things were going up. And so I was like hiring and planning for like growth, but I was just like riding it right along the edge that whole time, like way too much risk and uh, assuming that that revenue is going to keep coming in. And then you've got one month where things don't go as planned and like, it's just enough to make it all crumble down. And mm. it's because there's like no systems underneath. So I didn't, I never worked at bigger companies, so I didn't have that totally same mindset, but I still would like, I, I still would look at that because we, we would actually have sales where we'd have customers who would like give us their down payment and then they would delay starting. Mm-hmm. And so then there's like, okay, that's cash that actually isn't coming in that we thought would come in. And eventually you have to learn to just like in a small business, like you just have to operate on the cash that's here. And you can yeah. kind of look at it and you can kind of forecast decisions, but you got to make decisions on what's in the bank um, right now. And like, you got to know forecast what's coming, but like you just, you got to have a buffer. Um, there's this, concept in this program I have just called like building a vault of cash um, and like whenever you have just like cash like you are just empowered and enabled to just make decisions because you're not worried um, and so like at this point like we're building that and we've got you know a full at least a full month of runway of everything at this point and like you're just way more empowered when you're not running along the edge there and you know you've got I've got like a month of runway and I've got a full line of credit here like I'm not worried and when you get to that good cash spot you're just like empowered and you're not afraid as a business owner as you are when you're running right along the edge mm. when you were in that edge moment you know in the past where you you know you had contracts signed but not necessarily the cash flow you wanted and then you like it took one month and it came crumbling down were you aware that like it's just going to take one month and it'll crumbling, it'll come crumbling down. Or were you more caught up in like the, Hey, we're doing fine because we've got contracts that are being signed. 
Yeah, I kept like I was under this mentality of like, ah, like if we just get to this mark, then we'll be profitable. Like this, I had this like um, concept of like, okay, we built the infrastructure now, and like this infrastructure is going to ride us a really long time. And so like we just need to hit this customer mark, and then everything after that's profit because we're not going to have to hire any more people. Mm-hmm. And that was like the story I kept telling myself was like, all right, so we need to get to like. 32 customers and then we're like break even and then everything beyond that like we're going to be able to handle up to like like 50 um and like all that's going to be profit margin so like that's what i gotta like hit and that's what i kept telling myself and um and as i i'll I'll, like i'll share like whenever we had to lay off six people we doubled the revenue of our company without hiring anyone else Hmm. um and that just goes to show that whole story i had that like i just gotta like get to this point and go beyond then it's all profit was like this totally wrong thing as opposed to just saying let's bake in profit from day one like let's like let's make sure we have a great profit right now and build the infrastructure for right now and then we're just going to keep growing and maintaining that profit as we grow but we're going to bake that and we're going to pull that out of our cash flow as we go and so that we just like don't even have a choice but to operate on that and that was like this huge distinction um, that changed things is whenever I realized like it's not I'm going to get profitable down the line. It's like I have to get profitable today. There's no choice. Like I'm going to be profitable today, and I'm going to make the hard decisions to make that work. Which meant laying off six people for us. So let's let's like walk through that story, and then in the process, what we can ideally do is sort of like create the the framework mm-hmm. to adopt the profit now mindset and build a healthy cash flow. Um, what so let's talk through the decision to make the layoffs. So if you can like recap, what made you say it has to happen? It has to happen now. There was no choice. There was literally no, there was no other way. <laughs> there was, I, I looked at the books and I said like, we, if we lay people off now, we can give a two week severance and um, they will even ask them to like kind of work um, a little bit and just kind of like phase out. Um, but if we wait any longer, like we literally will we'll, like, we'll just, we'll have to cut them off and we won't be able to pay them anything. So mm-hmm. it was the, it was like, so circumstance forced you. Yeah. There's no choice. We were in that big of a point where our credit line was a hundred percent extended. So, okay. So you lay off these employees. What's step one from there? So, um, step one from there was like, I need to go sell some stuff. Um, part of what made the challenge happen. I'd also pulled in someone to support on sales. And, uh, in like not fully training them well, that mm. ultimately caused us to lose some sales, which led to the dip. I probably could have fixed that if I had had another month, but I, I didn't have that luxury. So I just had to jump fully back into sales and just sell and sell and sell. Um, so that was like step one is like get cash in the door, close new counts. So that was like step one of, um, of what I did just to like fix the problem and get cash to just save that part. And did you have a specific number of customers or a specific uh, revenue number that you were like, we need, I need to get to this to do the next thing? Um, I don't think so. I think at that point it was just like, I just like, I met with my team. I had to show up with like complete certainty and confidence to be like, guys, I'm not going to let this crumble. Like, I know this is hard. We just laid off six people like bear with me. I'm going to re- like rebuild this. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to make sales. So like the next thing was really just like communicating with clarity and confidence to my team that I have this and do not worry. Like I will fix this. I got us in this spot. I'm sorry. I'm learning from this and I'm going to get us out. So that was this other piece of just like 
complete certainty to the team that I can get us out of this dark place. So certainty is what you have to have in that moment. Absolutely. How it's do you, essential. it's a tricky, it's a tough question, but like, how do you, I don't know. How do you, how do you have such certainty? It's just like self-belief. Like, <laughs> uh, so I, I give uh, credit on that part and like the mindset that I was in at that time. Um, a couple of things like one is just like studying like stoicism, stuff like that um, has been useful. And then there's this other, this program called um, like wake up warrior, which I'm a part of now, which um, Russ Perry from design pickle has gone through it. Um, and he's been a huge part of his journey. And I was in it at that time. And that again, helped a ton to like reframe your stories. A lot of it's just like, like I had this story in my head that like I screw things up. Like I, every business I build, I screw it up. And so I was like, here it is. I'm going to screw it up again. Oh, man, it's happening. And like, and then you just have to be like, no, like I've got this. Like I have the ability. I can get through this. Like let's pull my emotions out of this. What are the things that I have to do? All right, now let's do them and just like put the little crybaby in the closet. Look at what's got to like actually happen to get through this. And then you just like show up and you deliver. Um, and it's just a matter of like getting those emotional stories out of the way, like getting the things you're telling yourself that are not really based in facts, but all in your emotions, um, just getting those behind you and then just looking at what it has to get done and then just showing up and doing it. So step two of that process. So step one was saying, okay, you, well, you, you fired the people and you said, I need to go out and sell some stuff, get some cash in the door, close new accounts. Step two was communicating that to the team with confidence, clarity, and certainty. Mm-hmm. Step three. Step three was getting a financial system uh, in place that works. Um, and so, at this point, um, I had uh, there's this book, Profit First, by Mike Michalowicz, um, and I had heard about this book. I'd even read like a summary online. Um, I read like one of those like two page summaries, and I was like, "Oh, it's like most business books, you know, just read the summary, whatever." <laughs> and uh, and like, and I, but I didn't really do anything with that, and so. I was like, well, this is like, this is a book about financial systems. I have a ton of people that keep talking about this book to me. And that's kind of like my, my, my litmus test for a book is how many people tell me about it. And, uh, I pick up that book and start reading it. And it's just like, it's just like speaking to the man in the situation doing like exactly where I am, like going through the pain of layoffs, the ups and downs, the never consistent income, tons of revenue. You're not taking home much money. And like the whole like principle Um, and so I just like took this and it's like the cool thing is it's not just like a theoretical book. It's like a system, um, that he teaches you. And, uh, basically like the simple idea is that like you, as a business owner, you make decisions based on how much money's in the bank. Like you can try to put together spreadsheets, which are all theoretical. And you can try to say that, but like, ultimately you look at your bank account and you say, Hey, we've got 30,000 in the bank. Let's do X, Y, Z because of that. And so the whole idea of Profit First is basically twice a month, you take percentages of all the revenue you collect and you move them to other bank accounts. And Hmm. you start off literally with just like 1% into profit, 1% into a tax account. That's the other thing for years, I never put away money for my own taxes that I would pay. So I'd be personally, you know, shelling out 15 grand for my taxes at the end of the year. Oh, that was a big mistake I made last year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so like, and this is a system that has helped me fix that because now I literally 5% of our revenue goes toward a tax account and I'm going to hit the end of the year and the money I actually paid myself was actually my money. And then I have all this stored away that the business can pay on my, uh, that literally can just like, here's taxes, like 
covered. Like, and I don't have to worry about that. And it's not like mixing my tax money with my personal savings. I used to look at my savings and be like, Oh, this is so cool. I have 20,000. No, I don't. I have like five. Like, right. Right. <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> um, and so like that, like getting those into like, literally like I have, I have like seven bank accounts now and that's because of this like profit first system and like, and so I'll transfer out for taxes. I'll transfer a percentage of revenue into like a profit account. And I transfer a percentage of revenue into my income, like for my income. And so it's literally, um, you do all that twice a month and then you just keep operating from this like operating expenses. And um, it's at first, like you start with like the percentage is really low and you like raise them over time. But like the, the crazy other concept in that book that he talks about is like, it's kind of a, I think it's, it's either Pareto or Parkinson's law, it's whatever, no, it's Parkinson's law that like the, you your resources will expand to like fit whatever like or your, your time will expand to the resources that are available it's like mm. the whole thing give yourself an hour to do something you're going to get it done well it's the same thing with money and so if you just give yourself less money to operate your business on like you're gonna basically um make you're gonna figure out how to make it work yeah. yeah and so like we doubled the size of our business and we didn't hire anyone new and literally, we just like we just were like, oh, how can we make this efficient? How can we make an account manager handle ten accounts instead of eight accounts? Like, what would it take to do that? Um, and like, how can we like set up Zapier to like automate more stuff? And like, it just forces you to like look at the problem differently and not just solve it with throwing more bodies and more expenses at it, but like throwing at it with like innovation. And when you just give yourself those constraints, you figure out a way. I like that a lot. Now. That's step three was get the financial system in place, create these like distributed bank accounts where every dollar that come like literally down to the dollar, you're like 20 cents goes here, 30 cents goes here and whatnot. What comes next? Or is that where you're like, okay, now we're set up. I'm just going to run the business now. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it starts off like really small. It's like literally like even when we were in that point, it was like, okay, we're going to transfer like 1% to a profit account. Like we're going to do that. Um, and we're going to like, we just put that for a while toward like paying down the credit card, but it was Literally, it was after that, it was just like getting consistent, sticking with it, like making sure we kept sales up and like over and, you know, and it took us eight months to basically get that credit card to the point where it's like at a healthy level of like a normal amount now. So like, um, it literally was like this brutally like painful thing. And after that, it was just like, it was just get consistent. Like that was pretty much it of just stick with it. Like don't thrash around, show up, do the work, make sales and just keep like, we kept raising those percentages. Like I started off with 1% in my tax account and even that small amount, like 1% putting into a tax account. I think I had a, uh, I think I had $6,500 to put toward my taxes this year from my business that didn't have to come out of my personal savings by starting at 1% and raising it a percent each quarter. Um, and so like that small, like literally it doesn't like you start off transferring 1%, you're like, this is silly. It's like $71, mm -hmm. like, you know, and then like it just, you slowly raise it over time. You don't even notice it from the operational point. And next thing you know, you're like, I have all this money saved away. Um, so, um, it's just getting consistent and then like executing on the system and growing it over time. Yeah. So basically build the framework and then successfully execute on it. We've only got a couple minutes left here. Um, can you give a piece of advice then? And I'm going to assume that that's sort of the end of that process and like the execution and optimize from there. Um, can you give any advice on how do you make sure you stay like 
reliant on the system as opposed to be like just like letting things fall to shit again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is like, um, and he, he talks about this like somewhat in the book, but it's just like start super small and like that 1% and like you just build the habit and you just like start to make that like that's how like you do this and that's how you pay yourself. And well, honestly, like I, today is actually the 10th. So I ran this this morning um, and it's like, well, it becomes a pretty good habit because that's the day of the month I get paid now. Uh, mm-hmm. So like I, uh, <laughs> it's just like, it's like becomes my system for paying myself. So like, and I just do it all whenever I pay myself twice a month now. Um, and so just like starting off really small with it and really like, like what seems almost insignificant and like silly. Um, and then you just slowly scale it over time. Like that's probably the biggest thing because you just build the habit before like now it's like, okay, wow. Like we're actually, whenever I run this, like we're pulling, you know, pretty good chunk of cash out of our operating expenses and putting them into these like tax and profit accounts. Um, Like it's pretty significant. Like it can, it actually like affects us operationally now, but like we have the cash to do that and we've built our model to where it supports that. Um, But it all started off really small where it was like uh, $70, like we don't, whatever, like, (laughs) but it's stomachable even right at that point versus yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like we're like laying people off and it's like, yeah, $70 isn't going to change us, but you just yeah. don't have it. So. Right. Right. Okay. Now, um, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, I, know I, I got a ton out of that and I'm documenting all these steps and like, okay, I should do this and this and this. Now, before we wrap up, Jake, can you let our listeners know where they can find you online, learn more about lead cookie and even potentially content allies? Yeah. So, um, Main thing for lead cookie, just leadcookie.com if you're interested in LinkedIn lead generation. Again, our tactics are still super relevant, super effective right now. So feel free to reach out to us on that. Uh, we even have a 30-day money-back guarantee with it as well. Now, to wrap up, as we do with every episode, we will each give our respective response or sort of top-line takeaway to the topic question for today, which was, how do you profitably manage cash flow? I think the way I'm going to rewrite it, though, in the actual episode title and thumbnail is how do you build a healthy cash flow? Um, so how do you build a healthy cash flow? My answer to this, um, I mean, I really like the whole framework you laid out, but to me, I think it starts with the mindset, as you said, of build a vault of cash. And then from there, I mean, I know like my next step coming out of this recording is to implement that like distributed account strategy and just allocate percent of every dollar that comes in in the right bucket. Um, so that way you're not like mentally thinking, okay, $20 or whatever it is, you know, right? $200 goes here, $1,000 goes here. You just, you actually make those actions happen within the accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's life-changing. I can't <laughs> tell you like at 10 years being an entrepreneur and not having this system, it literally made everything better and I make way more money now (laughs) and my wife's happier too. So yeah, I can imagine. So then Jake, um, sort of your biggest piece of advice, maybe it's that maybe something different. How do you build a healthy cash flow? Um, my biggest piece of advice, honestly, like I just cannot recommend the book profit first enough. Like it is, uh, it's like, it's like a, you know, it's like a $10 book and it literally has gotten me to the point where I'm making the most income I've ever made. So, um, Having that, and I wish I had had it for years in my business, and I, I, prob- I probably wouldn't have any debt rest left in my life if I'd had that 10 years ago. So, The book uh, is called Profit First. The author is Mike. I, I scribbled. It was something. Makowitz? Makowitz. Yeah, I don't know how to spell it. It's crazy. Like, look at <laughs> look, look, look Profit, up profit First. first. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Thank you, Jake, for joining. This was a fantastic episode. I learned a lot. I know our listeners did will as well. Thank you for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on here, Jake. That brings us to a close. Did you like what you heard? Did it tingle your earbuds? Support your startup ecosystem and share this episode with another founder to help them. If you don't have anyone in mind, then leave a rating and review of the show on iTunes so more entrepreneurs can learn about it. And if you want more, head to startuphypeman.com and click on the knowledge section to get a bonus blog post written by this week's guest where they unpack the topic even more. Remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Startup Hype Man is more than a podcast. In fact, we support startups across the United States and globally develop sales and marketing acumen with messaging that stands out to customers and stands apart from competitors. Learn more and fill out a form at StartupHypeMan.com if you want to chat. Shout out to this week's guests for spending their time with us and shout out to music artist Sir the Baptist for providing our show's theme song. Catch you next time. Hype Man out. Word up. Raise up. Got you howling at the moon. Yeah. This dance with the devil, girl. Instead of sundown, too. Yeah. This dance with the devil, girl. Tell me what you're gonna do. This is dance with the devil, girl. And if you can't get it loose, then they fall into the truth. It got you howling at the moon. Yeah. This is dance with the devil, girl. Instead of sundown, with the devil.